God, I pray that we give ourselves to you tonight in this moment. God, that you have all of our attention, you have all of our heart, you have all of our mind. God, I pray that we, we come to you right now in humility, God, as we're asking you to speak to us, speak into our hearts and change our lives. God, would you make us more like you right now tonight through the words that I'm about to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we are still in Acts 21, and I'm going to be talking about the same story that Luke talked about last week, but this time I'm going to focus on something different. Um, So Luke talked about the law because it said that Paul was telling people, um, Paul was being accused of telling people to forsake the law of Moses. And so Luke said, well, what is the law? And he went through all of that. And now I am going to talk about what actually Paul did in response to that. So we are going to start in verse 17 as we read. Um, Acts 21, verse 17. When we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. So this is Paul. He's just finishing up his third missionary journey. He is arriving in Jerusalem with the money that he has collected from the Gentile churches, and he is here to present it to the Jerusalem church. So on the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified God. And they said to him, you see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. They are all zealous for the law, and they have been told about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to our customs. So Paul is telling them all the things that God has been doing during his missionary journeys, and they say, wonderful, let's glorify God, that's amazing, but we have a problem. There are people who are saying that you have told the Jews among the Gentiles, the Jews who are living in the Gentile cities, to forsake the law of Moses, and they don't like that. So they say, what then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. Do therefore what we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Take these men and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you, but that you yourself also live in in observance of the law. But as for the Gentiles who have believed, we have sent a letter with our judgment that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. So the elders are telling Paul, so you should do this purification ceremony with these guys that we have who are under a vow to demonstrate that you um, still live live in observance of the law. And then, so Paul took the men, and the next day he purified himself along with them and went into the temple, giving notice when the days of purification will be fulfilled and offering, and the offering presented for each one of them. So he goes along with it. He does what they say. He goes with their plan. Um, so I want to look at why Paul did what he did and the reason behind it and what we can take from that. How can we also follow from his example? So we have a situation where you've got these Jews who believe in Jesus, right? But then there's Paul who is telling the the Jews among the Gentiles that they don't have to follow the Mosaic law. And then you got these Jews in Jerusalem who are like, what the heck? Like, we're observing the 
the Mosaic Law. We've been doing this. We are commanded by God to do this. This is who we are. It's part of our identity. And you're just telling them they don't have to. And then they, the, um, and so what Paul does is he, he does what the elders are asking, asking him to do so that he has clout, so that he has respect among those Jews. Because what would happen if Paul just completely disregarded the Mosaic law? Those Jews who believe that it is necessary to follow the Mosaic law might not believe anything that Paul is saying because they don't have any respect for him. And so what he does was those, those Jews, them following Jesus, them believing Paul's testimony was much more important than Paul not having to follow the Mosaic law because Paul knows, Paul knows he doesn't have to. Because in Jeremiah 31, this is the Old Testament, Paul knows this verse, the Jews know this verse. Um, it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Paul knows that the new covenant's here. The new covenant is Jesus Christ. We have been saved by the blood of Jesus. We don't have to do any of the sacrifices. We don't have to purify ourselves because Jesus did it all already. It's done. Paul knows that. Paul knows, I'm under the new covenant. I don't have to follow the Mosaic law, right? So Paul had a choice, right? He doesn't have to. He has the freedom to say, elders, no, I don't want to do that. But what he does instead is he goes along with their plans. Um, as Similar to what he wrote in 1 Corinthians 9, um, he says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jew, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. That's what he's doing here. He is behaving as a Jew. He's doing the things that Jews are doing so that he can win Jews. And to those under the law, I became as one under the law. Though not being myself under the law, Paul knows he's not under the law, but that's not the point. Um, to those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. To those, to the weak, I became weak. I became all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them and its blessings. He says the point. He says the reason why he went along with the elders' plan. It's for the sake of the gospel. It's for the sake of his testimony. It's for the sake of his relationship with these Jews, which is dependent on his behavior, right? And if he has a choice, if he has, if he has an option to save that testimony that he has given to them, then he's going to take it because his freedom to do whatever, do what he wants is not as important as the gospel. It's not as important as the relationship that he has with those Jews. Um, Philippians 2, 3, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Paul was counting those Jews as more significant than himself and the thing that he was doing. He was doing it out of love for them and for the sake of the gospel. So, Daniel, okay. So now I'm going to tell a story that's not quite as dramatic, but a similar thing in my life. So the reason Daniel just ran away um, is because Daniel loves disc golf, right? Some of you know that. Some of you have played with him. He loves disc golf so much. Every single day he's watching videos of disc, disc golf on YouTube. And here he comes with a disc golf disc. Anyways, oh goodness, see look, he's played so much it's cracked. Um, 
There's also supposed to be numbers on here. I guess it's so old that it's not there. I don't see it. But anyways, there's supposed to be four numbers on each disc, and Daniel knows what every single one of those numbers mean and what throws they're good for. And I don't at all. I don't know anything about disc golf. But the point is, the reason that I'm telling you this is because I don't really care for disc golf. I'm very neutral on it. I didn't even know it existed before I met Daniel, really. Um, but I go with Daniel to play disc golf. I don't play. I walk with him, and he's in, he enjoys it. He asks me to go. Um, and the reason I go is because I have all the freedom in the world to not go play disc golf. Daniel wouldn't be mad at me. He might be a little sad. But I could say, no, I want to stay home and do something else. But considering Daniel as more significant than myself, it would be beneficial to our relationship and to him for me to go with him. It is more profitable for me to go walk with Daniel as he plays disc golf than it would be for me to stay home. So in the same way, Paul decided to do what the elders asked him to do instead of saying no. When he could have said no, but he loved those Jews, and so he did it anyways. So as you're, as you're thinking about, about what you could do, what people are asking you to do, what people are not asking you to do, consider them as more important, to your, more important than yourself. Don't consider what you want, the things that you desire, what you have time for. Consider them. Prioritize their, your relationship with them. Prioritize the gospel over your freedom because we are free to all sorts of things, right? It says everything, the Bible says everything is lawful, but not everything is helpful. Everything is lawful, but not everything builds up. We have so much freedom, but we need to use that freedom to love others and build others up and do things that are beneficial for the sake of the gospel, for building the kingdom, and for a relationship with them. You need to die to yourself every day for the sake of the gospel. Um, and Romans 14.20, do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. When, it, when, you, when, it put it, when you put it like that, it makes me think, how, how insignificant our decisions are based on, the imp- based on what they could be. As in, you could choose to eat that thing, whatever, whatever it is, but that's destroying the work of God. Is that, is that worth it? Is that worth it to you to use your freedom but destroy the work of God? Everything is clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. So consider what you're doing and what is most important in your life. And I hope for every single one of you, what's most important in your life is glorifying God and building the kingdom. And if that's the most important thing, that's what you should be making your decisions off of. Like Paul, his most important thing was building the kingdom of God. And so he did what the elders asked because not even that big of a deal. Like he just had to shave his head and pay for some people. But it built up the kingdom of God. He considered others as more important than himself. So, great, that's a wonderful thing, but how do we do that, right? What if somebody asks you to do something, and you're like, well, I'm not so sure if that's biblical, right? Um, Paul, he had the decision. He had to make a decision. Am I going to do this, or am I not going to do this? Would doing this thing, this purification that the elders ask him to do, would that hurt his testimony or would that build up his testimony would it is it does it line up with the bible would it deny somehow 
the work of Jesus. If they asked him to sacrifice some animals, that would be denying the work of Jesus, right? Because that would be saying that Jesus didn't cover it all. His death wasn't enough, right? But they asked him to do a purification ceremony of some sort. And he had, decide, he had to decide if that was okay for him to do. Was it worth it? Was it profitable? And so when somebody asks you to do something or not do something or partake in something, you have to know whether or not you should say yes, whether it's profitable. So I have some questions that you can ask yourself so you can decide if something's worth it, if it's necessary. So the first question I have is what does the Bible say about it? All right, that's the first place you should go. Paul knew that in Jeremiah 31 it said, we've got a new covenant coming. And Paul knew it's here. And so he had a decision. Like, that doesn't say that he can't do that, but it's saying that he doesn't have to. That's where he knows where he had the freedom. Um, so what does the Bible say about it? But sometimes it's not always explicitly stated in the Bible, unfortunately. Um, so we have to ask some other questions as well. Um, the second one I have is, would people I respect do this? So think about people in your life who you know love Jesus with everything that they have, like your parents, your mentor, your pastors, Steve. Would Steve do this, right? You think about, I do this all the time. I have a question in my head, and I just imagine that I'm talking to Steve about it, and then I usually get the answer without actually talking to him. Um, uh, next question, is it profitable for the relationship? I say yes to go playing disc golf with Daniel because it is profitable for our relationship. Um, Paul said yes to doing the ritual, the ceremony, because it was profitable for his relationship with the Jews. Um, next one. How does, how does the other person feel about it? Um, for example, this, I remember this story because I messed up. And it was super obvious, and I, don't even, I was terrible when I did this. Um, so I was just with someone, and I said the word geez, like, I don't even remember what it was about. But that person asked me not to say that, right? Because they thought that that's something that you shouldn't say, right? Because it's a derivative of Jesus. And so, but, but I was so rude, and I just completely blew her off, because I thought it was fine. So I'm just like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. And I just ignored her. Guys, that was so rude of me. Um, she, she felt strongly about it enough to ask me not to say that. And so for the sake of our relationship, for the sake of me not being a stumbling block and not, not using my freedoms, I need to not say that word around her. Because she asked me to. It's, it's a very simple and easy way to love somebody. Um, next one, are you prioritizing others over yourself? If you make a decision and I will say I decide not to go play disc golf, that is me prioritizing my desires over Daniel's desires, which is not what we are called to do. Um, like I said earlier, Philippians 2.3, consider others more significant than yourself. Okay, last one. Am I possibly jeopardizing my testimony? So is this something that could possibly make people not respect you? Or if you tell them something about the Bible, something, hey, you should repent and follow Jesus. If you tell them that, but they say, but what about this thing that you did? But you were doing this. That's jeopardizing your testimony, which is something you don't want at all. And so as you're considering whether or not to do that, consider if you're being 
above reproach, if the person is still going to respect you as a follower of Jesus, because it's not worth it. Your, your freedoms are not worth it. Um, for example, wait, hold on. Okay, so I wanted to talk about, there's like a contrast between trying to not jeopardize your testimony and doing it for the profit of the relationship. So let's say somebody asks you to go see a movie that you know you should not watch, right? So you could go, and that would be profitable for the relationship, right? You would have common ground. They would spend time with you. But you could also be jeopardizing your testimony because if you're talking about something later, and then they could think, wait, but you went with me to go see that movie, and now you're saying that that's a bad thing. And so there's... there's this contrast right there, and we need to make sure that we are making a good decision. Um, Revelation says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. It does not say we overcome by having common ground with people. It does not say we overcome by relating to them. You could go see that movie because it's profitable for the relationship, or you could not go see that movie, not jeopardize your testimony, and go to the park with them and play disc golf. <laughs> which is something that does not jeopardize your testimony, which is also good for relating to that person, for building common ground, for building up your relationship with them. There are other options. You don't have to do the thing that you're asking them to in that moment. There is some, something better is going to come along. There's going to be another option. Okay, so now we are going to discuss. We are going to talk about... Some examples, we're going to talk about some principles of things that are morally ambiguous. Should we do them? Should we not do them? And some of them, the circumstances matter, right? Some of them are okay in some circumstances, but not okay in other circumstances. So we're going to discuss based on the questions that I talked about earlier to see if we can come up with a unanimous decision. And some of them, we're not going to come up with a unanimous decision. So... Be nice to one another. Okay. The questions again? Okay. Yes. Okay. So the first one, what does the Bible say about it? Um, number two, would people I respect do it? Number three, is it profitable for the relationship? Am I going too fast? Or is this? Okay. Um, number four, am I possibly jeopardizing my testimony? Well, I put that one last. Um, Five, are you prioritizing others over yourself? And six, how does the other person feel about it? Okay.